what I recommend is do your research on your space and when you feel like you know your customer and there's certain elements you're not gonna know until you jump in, but do as much as you can while you're employed, uh, whether it's learning the right skills, learning about your customer, etc. And then from there, uh, then launch whatever you're gonna do. And frankly, the best way to do that is go work for a startup. Uh, and I think a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that you should go work for probably a company that has less than a hundred employees, uh, that is kind of doing thirty to sixty people and kind of on a good growth rate, uh, because there's there's enough surface area for you to understand all different parts of the business. Welcome to fourteen minutes of SaaS the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This is the concluding episode of our three-part interview with Patrick Campbell, SaaS pricing guru and CEO and founder of ProfitWell, recorded in SaaStock in Dublin. On 40 Minutes of SaaS, Patrick continues to open up about his emotional vulnerabilities he reveals his ambition in two ways. First, he opines that the sort of work-life balance delivered to employees by, say, the Basecamp guys is really tough if you want to build a very large company. And it's hard to argue with that. They're both valid ways of doing business, but it is what it is. Secondly, he states that although ProfitWell is bootstrapped, he sees funding as a tool that he'll use at some point in the future. He also has some great advice and caution for new entrepreneurs. Still a bootstrap business. Yeah. There must be VCs here and everywhere else trying to get you on the phone. Um, first of all, how hard was it the first two or three years? And second of all, um, are you glad you're still bootstrapped? I think the, fir the first two and three years were really, really hard uh, because I think that I, I probably started the company a little too early, like in my life. Uh, I, I think it was like financially the best time, but I also don't think that I was secure enough as just a human being and an individual. Um, so I, there's a longer story about like, you know, just not the greatest childhood, like all that kind of fun stuff that just made me a pretty vulnerable, insecure person. And that manifested itself in good and bad ways. I think it manifests itself in a good way uh, because, you know, whenever I, um, you know, feel like I'm not good enough, I work harder, right? Manifests itself in a really bad way because whenever I feel not good enough, I'm not great emotionally, like if oh, I don't have okay, work, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, and so that's, that's a little bit of a crutch, but I think for me, um, when I look at the first couple years, I also you know, wasn't in the greatest relationship and all these other things, and it's hard. I think anyone who says you can build a business without working hard and you can have really good work-life balance, I think it's possible, but I do not think it's the highly probable way. I think everyone wants to, you know, and I love the base camp guys. I, I really respect them. I look up to them. But a lot of the, the rework stuff and stuff like that, it's, it is the future, but it, it's probably not the future for a company that wants to be very large. Sure. Right? If you want to build a $100 million company, a billion dollar company, it's going to be rare that you can do that with really, really good work-life balance. Um, yeah. And that's just the trade-off. And so from a bootstrap perspective, we were very fortunate that early on, our ACV, like our contract values and things were high enough that it could sustain the business. Great. I think that uh, if we were like a $10 per month type product, we probably, uh, maybe, I don't think we would have been able to be bootstrapped. Because for bootstrapped, I cashed in my very small 401k. I think it was like 
$15,000 or something like that, something like, and that was before taxes. Uh, when you cash in your 401k in the States, it's, they basically just really ding you on taxes because you're not supposed to do that till you're retired. Okay, okay. Um, no, it's so, safe in most places, I think. Yeah, so I did that and, and that was enough to live on for nine months um, in Boston and that was very cheaply living, sure. some credit card debt. And then we started getting enough money that we could, I, I mean, I paid myself like 30 grand a year which is nothing in Boston, like yeah, yeah. that's literally nothing. It's nothing um, here And I did that for <laughs> a long time and then 50 grand and now I'm, I'm making, maybe I'm not definitely not a market, but I'm making like, I'm great, I'm fine. But I think, yeah, for, from Bootstrap perspective, I think we've never really been, like some people have a chip on their shoulder about not raising money. We've never been that company. I think we would love to retain our optionality, but we also realize that funding's a tool and there's going to be a point where that tool seems very obvious uh, and that might be you know I don't know that might be in a year's time it might be in four years time I don't know it's it's hard to see where the market is and it's really hard because the market is so good right now uh, the valuations and things like that are just out of control and so um, we're just trying to stay tempered and focused if that makes sense and uh, do you have a, a presence I, I'm sure you've customers, but do you have a presence outside of the United States at this stage? So like an office. Uh, so we have an office in Rosario, Argentina. Oh, um, nice. It's a dev office, about 10 folks. Um, we're very committed to that office. Uh, I think the people down there, just, just as good, if not better, as the devs that we meet in Boston. And the cultural difference is <laughs> kind of perfect that it keeps us tempered because most of folks there, it's not about money. Like they don't go somewhere about money. Um, it's all about kind of the mission, the product and things like that. And so even when we have conversations publicly or not publicly, but in the company about money or revenue, they're always kind of checking in and be like, hey, it's not about the money, right? Um, which is like, it's a good balance. Um, we don't have any presence in Europe yet. I think the presence is me just spending a lot of red eyes and flying. Uh, which, you know, I enjoy and I love it. I mean, I think the so European- So you do, you do most of the sales yourself? I do most of the kind the of ones. events and marketing, stuff like that. Ah, okay. Um, we have a sales team. I mean, I, I sure. assist the sales team in certain ways, but I think that most of like our European presence is me traveling to conferences. Um, and it's, it's really because of Chart Mogul. You know, they're in Berlin and so they, they kind of been in Europe. And so um, we just were like, okay, well, you know, we're not going to have a presence here for a while, but it's relatively easy that this fits into our event strategy that we can be in any European event. Um, and what's kind of funny is I don't have any kids. Um, I have uh, you know, a full-time partner, but she's not quite a wife yet. <laughs> so I feel like I can get away with you know, traveling as much as I do. Um, so I take almost every, every you know, request, I pretty much go. Did you find that the key part for getting, building a team of 10 in Rosario that uh, would work well with you was finding one really strong person to run that office. How, how did you do that? Yeah, 100%. So we found a director level engineer, uh, Rafa. And Rafa is, um, yeah, we're, it's, it's a privilege and it's, it's a reward to work with the guy. Um, you know, he's good, he's that good. And I think that that helped because uh, my business partner, head of products, Facundo, is from there originally. And I think he knew Rafa through like friends of friends or something like that. And he started off as a contractor, Rafa did, and then eventually it was like, let's build an office. And so he started recruiting. Uh, and it's, yeah, that helped a lot because then he could handle a lot of the recruiting. Uh, and now we have a nice little pipeline and, and things like that down there. Um, yeah, love it, it's great. And uh, 
So I'm guessing one of your next steps when you do expand further would be an office in Europe. Uh, is that more likely to be more of a sales office than um, a sales and marketing office than a, than a dev office when that happens? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think, I think our actual next move would probably be a West Coast States office. Okay. And I think yeah. that'll be mainly a sales office probably. Uh, it's hard to say. Um, that's another scaling factor we have to figure out. Because right now with Rosario, it's very cloistered to one team, product and engineering. And it's all kind of in the same time zone. So we're not dealing with some of the problems that you come up with when you have a remote team or when you have multiple offices across time zones. So that'll be probably the next challenge. And then I think when it comes to a European office, I don't know. I think what'll happen is, is we'll figure out what works in a West Coast US office and then all of a sudden we'll we'll kind of apply some of those learnings to the European side. Okay. Okay. If you were to give a little bit of advice to anybody thinking of setting up a business, whether they're coming out of college or they're coming out of a corporate job that they're tired of, yeah. what are the one or two learnings that you'd... you'd to like start a business? Yeah. Um, From your perspective and your experience. Yeah, I think... I think I would, if I was starting a business then, I would try to stay as employed as possible while still figuring out my idea. So what ends up happening, and I think this does a really big disservice to a lot of people, is you get advice where you have to, you have, it's like go all in, go all in. And that advice is good, but I think what ends up happening is you go all in and then all of a sudden there's like very real things that pop up. Uh, you need a salary to pay the mortgage or Absolutely. you need to you know, feed yourself, obviously. So when that happens, you start making decisions out of, um, they're not necessarily the right decisions, you make those decisions out of a reaction. Sure. And so what I recommend is do your research on your space and when you feel like you know your customer and there's certain elements you're not gonna know until you jump in, but do as much as you can while you're employed, uh, whether it's learning the right skills, learning about your customer, etc., And then from there, uh, then launch whatever you're gonna do. And frankly, the best way to do that is go work for a startup. Uh, and I think a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that you should go work for probably a company that has less than a hundred employees, uh, that is kind of doing 30 to 60 people and kind of on a good growth rate, uh, because there's, there's enough surface area for you to understand all different parts of the business. I was very fortunate. I didn't do this intentionally. Uh, I think I did this out of arrogance, but it, it saved me. I went and worked for another company, a startup between Google and starting price intelligently now ProfitWell. Um, I look for a company called Jimvara, oh, which is uh, like customizable jewelry, kind of like Blue Nile, um, but for gemstones. Yep. And I, uh, it was a great experience because I learned a, a lot about, oh, this is how this functions. Uh, when you work at Google or you work in the intelligence community, you're working with a very intelligent, highly qualified people. In a startup, you don't always have that luxury, right? And so it's one of those things where that that taught me a lot about what I don't want to do as well. Um, I wasn't really enamored with that culture. Uh, I think I was. Parts of it were, but other parts of it, I learned, oh, when I start a company, we're not going to do that, or that's not the right decision. And some of those things that I said that turned out to be wrong, and some of them turned out to be right. So that's, that's probably the best advice I would give, is go work somewhere, and, and when you're working there, get the research, and then go from there. I think it sounds like great advice. Patrick Campbell, thank you very much for chatting to me here. Absolutely. On 40 man. Minutes of SaaS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pleasure, pleasure.
next episode, 14 Minutes of SaaS, stays in SaaS Talk in Dublin, where I interview the brave and brilliant CEO and co-founder of You Can Book Me, Bridget Harris. From music, television, politics, to SaaS startup entrepreneur, she's bootstrapped with her co-founder and husband, CTO, Keith Harris, a 100% remote or fully distributed company with staff in the UK, Spain, and the United States. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.